Hello everybody, it is Michael here back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. As always, I appreciate everyone tuning into the show. Make sure to check out the Eclipse channel linked in the description where we're doing live streams at least every other day. I've been trying to do them uh, basically every day for this vacation. I'll continue to do them about three times a week uh, going forward. So definitely check that out. Check out uh, my Goggle Mike channel linked in the description as well. Just uploaded a new video out on there. And yeah, we got a lot to talk about in this episode. I'm going to talk about the Bulls, the Wizards, Lakers, Timberwolves, Raptors, and some trade deadline trades. So let's just get right into it. First thing I want to talk about is the Chicago Bulls who have really turned their season around. After a slow start where they were not looking good at all, they are currently, as I'm recording this, the eighth seed in the uh, the Eastern Conference, which is very, very impressive. They were a team that I was somewhat hopeful for that they could make uh, the playoffs this year. I was more expecting them to be around the play-in uh, tournament, but they've had a really good season so far, and it all has to start off with Zach Levine and the way he's been playing. Solidified all-star in this league, and I think he's really, really rising in mine, and it should be everybody's top 50 list. I think we really need to put him in that discussion with the Devin Bookers, Donovan Mitchells. Like He has solidified himself as being in that tier. I mean, he's averaging 28.6 points, 5.4 rebounds, and 5.1 assists this year, shooting 51.8% from the field, 43.4% from three, and 86.4% from the line. The man just continues to improve his game so much every single year. He's a guy who you can trust with the ball uh, down the stretch, and he's just an amazing player now. Again, solidified all-star in this league, and he's carried the Bulls to multiple wins and has kept them in so many games. And that's why a lot of these games, even that the Bulls are losing, do uh, do end up being close games because Zach Levine is just that dude, and he's proving everyone who doubted him wrong this year. I have always really liked Zach Levine as a player, but I never even thought he could reach this level. And he's really looking so like someone you can build a team around. I don't know if it's a championship team, but I think you could build a damn good team around Zach Levine. And he's just been amazing for them this year. I love everything that I've seen from him. It would be an absolute travesty if he doesn't make the All-Star game. But he, I'm pretty sure he would because there's nobody in, in the East that's playing as high of level basketball as of him, as him uh, at least like in the all-star game. No one deserves to be over Zach Levine if he doesn't make it again. It's a travesty. He's at least going to be the wild card. No way he's not. Uh, Kobe White's had a pretty up and down year. He's just a guy who is inconsistent to me. Uh, I really like his highs, but he also has some uh, pretty rough lows. Playmaking is still something he's working on. Definitely much better from his rookie season. Uh, but he's just inconsistent as a shooter. 6.83 is a game, shooting 36.5%, which isn't terrible. It's just around average. And again, he's just a guy who's inconsistent to me. I don't think he's the best fit alongside Zach Levine because I think Kobe White at the end of the day is an is naturally a shooting guard. I think they need more of a playmaker alongside Levine. Uh, I think they need a Lonzo Ball type of player, and that would really be the thing that helped this team succeed the most. 
Uh, but Kobe White being able to explode at any moment definitely does give this team another look and just gives them another guy alongside Levine so he doesn't have to rely on doing all the scoring. Wendell Carter's been really solid this year. Uh, he hasn't had like an amazing season or anything, but he's just been uh, a good player. He's had some injuries like he kind of always has, uh, but ever since he's been back, they've been playing good basketball. He really struggled to guard Embiid, but anybody's going to struggle to guard Embiid. Wendell Carter's still a great defensive center. He's expanding his game, shooting the ball more from mid-range and from three. Hasn't been amazing results on that, but I do just like to see him expanding his game. I would like to see him continue to play make more, as I do think that could be a big part of his game uh, down the line. But he's been pretty solid for them this year. And honestly, the thing that has stood out to me is just like the role players and the veterans on this team. Thaddeus Young has been amazing for the Bulls this year. He's just playing in a bunch of different roles, and he's been super successful in whatever role he's playing. He's played small ball center for them at times. He's been the main facilitator for them at times, and it's all led to really good results. He's been awesome off that bench for them uh, this year. And it's pretty interesting because even though like the young guys obviously have the highest ceiling and they have the uh, best moments, a lot of the times the Bulls are most successful when they have mostly their bench unit in, which their bench unit consists of uh, mostly older and more veteran players. While those guys, again, aren't as exciting as the young guys, those guys know how to win in this league, and they're proving that. Uh, Thaddeus Young averaging basically 11.7, 5.9, 4.3 assists, which uh, that is just by far a career high for him. I mean, his career high before is, what, 2.8? Like he's definitely been unlocked as a playmaker and it's working out really, really well for him. I love the contributions he's bringing off the bench for this team. And he's definitely someone if I was the Bulls, I'm making sure I'm holding on to him. There's no way you could trade him like Thomas Adoransky. While he's not a special player by any means, he's just been, again, solid for them this year. Another smart, good basketball player that knows how to win games, shooting 45 percent from three playmaking for this team. Uh, just another good vet off the bench. Uh, Garrett Temple has been really good for them this year as well. He's having basically a career year in Chicago. Uh, he's been awesome as a, just a nice veteran for this team. He started games. He's played off the bench as well. And no matter what, he's doing a very, very good job. He's shooting 36.4% from three, which isn't great, but uh, he is a guy who's been kind of inconsistent from three throughout his career. So him just shooting a league average percent is good. And then just all the uh, good things that he brings as a veteran is very, very welcome to this team. He's definitely been a big part of their success. Uh, Patrick Williams has had a really solid rookie year so far. Is shooting 39.4% from three. That's the one thing I would like to see him continue to improve on, though, because I don't know how legit that shooting is because he takes them basically only wide open and only off catching shoots, and they're only 2.3 a game. So I don't think he's like a uh, around 40% uh, caliber shooter yet, but even him shooting that on limited attempts and not really on difficult shots is still impressive at the end of the day, especially because that was a concern for people. But he showed uh, his poise on the defensive side of the ball for sure. For a 19 year old, he's already really, really smart on that end. He doesn't make many mistakes. And then he has all the physical attributes to help him be a good defender as well. And I mean, he gets put against really, really good wings. There's a lot of amazing wings in this league, and he's done a pretty good job of defending him like when they went on their LA trip he was the guy guarding a Kawhi Leonard he was the guy guarding a LeBron James which just shows their trust out of such a young guy and I mean he's 6'7 215 pounds he really did 
come into the league as a man already. Like he was the youngest uh, American-born player in the draft, uh, but he's a guy who's just incredibly built already. And I think if he can continue to just improve his skills, uh, he can definitely be a very, very nice player for them going forward. I really like what I've seen from him this year, and I just think he has a lot of room to grow. And I think he's a really good fit uh, with this team. Larry Markkinen's had a good year as well dealing with some injuries like he kind of always does uh but he's been really nice for them this year he's a guy who's shooting the ball much better than he did last year and i think he's just finally being used in the right way jim boylan so um like poorly used larry markin and it was an embarrassment how badly he used a pretty talented guy in lowry having him be a spot-up shooter basically and obviously, Lowry's improved his game as well. Like, he's improved his spot-up shooting, so now he's becoming a better player. But now he's being allowed to handle the ball more, to create for himself more. And it's just working out much, much better. Uh, and just overall, they've been playing some really good basketball. I really like uh, what Billy Donovan's done as a coach. I feel like his rotations have been good. And I just feel like he's having everybody on this roster play well. Honestly, I don't think they should really make any big moves at the trade deadline because they're streaking right now. Uh, their competition hasn't been great by any means, but at the end of the day, you're, when you're playing good basketball and you're winning games, that's all that matters, especially in a pretty tight Eastern Conference. Like The Eastern Conference is very, very weak, uh, but there's a lot of teams in the same tier and in the same area. Uh, you got to win basically all these games if you want to make uh, the playoffs or the play-in tournament because if you look at a team like the Hornets, the Knicks, even the Celtics, the Raptors, uh, the Pacers, uh, Miami... Atlanta, Washington is streaking. Like, there's a lot of teams in a pretty similar area. So, you got to keep winning games. But I think with Zach Levine at the helm and with everybody else playing the way they have, uh, I think they can absolutely do that. I think they can continue to play great basketball. And I've been very, very impressed by them. The Chicago Bulls are looking like a playoff team this year and seem to finally be figuring it out, which is very, very nice to see. Next, I want to talk about the Washington Wizards, who have been on a nice winning streak right here. Uh, they're definitely trying to climb back as they dug themselves a pretty big hole uh, early on in the season. We're just an absolutely atrocious team, but are really streaking right now, winning games and playing some great basketball and looking to climb back to being a potential playoff or play-in team. Uh, they're only a game and a half back of the Miami Heat, who currently hold the 10th seed. And then it's pretty close from there. Like, they're only three games out of being literally the sixth seed. So in this Eastern Conference, all these wins matter a lot. And any team could slide or any team could rise up. And I think that's what the Wizards are doing right now. And I think they definitely have potential to be a playoff team. They're far uh, from being like a lock-in playoff team. But I think if they continue to play good basketball, they do have the potential to. I think this all starts off with Russell Westbrook, who's had a pretty up-and-down season so far. He's had some really good games. He's also had some really bad games. Uh, he's had some injury issues. It's just been a weird season for him. Like he He's played great in these past two games, killed it against Portland, and killed it against the Lakers. Was a massive part in them winning that Lakers game, but also had this game versus Denver where he shot 5 of 15, had eight turnovers. Like he is again just been a weird up and down season for Westbrook and I don't really know what to make out of Westbrook at this point because obviously he's still a good player uh, but I just don't know at this point how good Russell Westbrook is like he's putting up the numbers he's nearly putting up a 20 point triple double uh, but it's again just the inconsistency 
Uh, but he is impacting winning. He's had some very big big games for them. So I'm not going to discredit Russ by any means. He does look healthier for sure. And he's been playing good basketball, helping the Wizards win games. Uh, obviously, Bradley Beal continues his just incredible season. He's been so consistent throughout the year. Uh, he's only shooting 33.5% from three, but these are very difficult attempts. Uh, so that does make sense. But as a whole, he's averaging 33 points a game. And he's just been amazing for them this year. Like he's really just unlocked his offensive game fully obviously he was amazing last year as well and he's just continued to improve so much every single year and I think the John Wall injury was definitely a big blessing in disguise for him because it just allowed him to expand his game and really show off what he can do and now that he has some talent around him and now they're now that they're winning games it's really on full display Rui Hachimura is back healthy and he's someone who I just like quite a lot I really like his game I, I would love for him to be a better three-point shooter that's the one thing he does uh, lack in pretty significantly uh, but he's a good mid-range shooter solid defender and just a solid overall player like he's a very very nice uh, piece on this roster and I definitely think him being injured for the time he was was uh, a pretty big underlying factor for why they were struggling so much the center position is still far from ideal on this team and that is the thing that needs to improve probably the most is just the uh, center position because that's uh, a direct correlation to how bad their defense has been this year. Like Mo Wagner is fine, but he's not a guy you want playing big minutes, especially at the center position because he's not a very uh, good defender by any means. And they've had to rely on like Robin Lopez to play pretty big minutes at that center position. And while Robin Lopez has done a solid job and he's a decent player, he's no Thomas Bryant. And while he's probably a better defender than Thomas Bryant, because Thomas Bryant's a pretty poor defender, Definitely doesn't make up for the offensive skill set that he has, but I will give credit to Robin Lopez. He's been a pretty solid re uh, replacement and is doing the best he can for sure, uh, especially just with how weak that center position is. It's just going to have to be something they do by committee. They're going to have to run small ball, and then they're just going to have to hope that a Mo Wagner, Alex Len, Robin Lopez are all playing well enough. Um, it's been interesting to see Denny of Dia this year. I feel like he's someone who's been misutilized quite a lot. Uh, while he still played good basketball so far, I feel like he could be a lot better because the thing I loved about Denny coming into the draft, and this is the thing that made most people fall in love with him as a prospect, is just how well-rounded he is. A true jack-of-all-trades type of player who is super versatile. He can do a bunch of different things on the floor, but he's mostly being used as a spot-up shooter, and credit to him. Uh, he's shot the ball pretty well, especially considering what his expectations were coming into the league. 36.7% isn't great, uh, but he wasn't expected to be a good shooter immediately, so that is pretty impressive. Uh, but I just think the playmaking is something I really want uh, him to be used more in. I want him to be like maybe a, the leader of the bench unit at times. If there's times when Russ and Bradley Beal are both out, give Denny some more playmaking responsibilities because he showed in a very limited sample size that he can playmake, and that's what he showed over uh, in uh, the EuroLeague as well, just how smart of a player he is. He's a super high IQ dude, and he's already thrown some really, really impressive passes that show off what he can do. But I just think it needs to be fully unlocked for him because he is a guy who is, again, so versatile. He can do so many different things out there, whether it be he can rebound, he can play make, he can take the ball up, he can play point forward. He can also stand in the corner and shoot if you want. 
Uh, but I just think he needs to be used more and in a better role. And I think that would uh, really show how good of a pick that is for them if he does start doing that because he's already been good on the defensive side of the ball as well. And again, he's playing his role as best as he can. But I just think when that role gets expanded, we're really going to see how good of a player uh, Denny of Dia is. And I just hope he continues to get more opportunity throughout the season. Uh, Davis Bertans has had a super up and down year for sure. It's had some pretty uh, good moments, and honestly, it's mostly been down. Three-point shooting is struggling quite a lot, but he did have some pretty big games that were massive to them uh, winning games. Uh, but as a whole, he's shooting 36.9% from three, which is still good considering he's shooting 7.8 attempts per game. But for how good he shot last year, which was 42.4% on 8.7 a game, and how much he gets paid to be only a shooter like Davis Bertrand's doesn't do shit else on the floor but shoot uh for him to uh be paid like he is just to be a shooter he's got to shoot the ball even better again 36.9 percent isn't terrible but he's got to be more in that 40 percent range if that's worth it for them uh because i do think he could be just a legitimate flamethrower that comes off the bench and could be a really nice piece for them he just has to put it all together and as a whole this team has just been playing solid they've been figuring it out still i don't think are a great team by any means and they've got lucky by playing some teams who aren't aren't super great uh they did have that super impressive win against the lakers last night who aren't playing great either but that was an incredible comeback for them because they were down uh, by quite a lot and they played some excellent basketball down the stretch i just think it comes down to bradley beal and russell westbrook figuring it out as a duo and everybody else playing at least solid enough around them to win games uh, and they've been doing that so far uh, I do still think there are issues with this roster. I do still think they need improvements on defense. I think their head coaching is pretty awful. Uh, but I do think that this team can be a playoff caliber team. Like I thought coming into this year, I was actually super high on the Wizards. I thought they were going to be like the sixth seed. Uh, but a, at least they are finally starting to figure it out and starting to play some good basketball. So I've definitely been impressed uh, with the Washington Wizards of, as of late. They're starting to turn it around. Russell Westbrook's been playing well. Bradley Beal continues his awesome season, and they've looked like a competent team now. Next team I want to talk about is the Los Angeles Lakers, who have been struggling quite significantly ever since Anthony Davis has gone down, and it's definitely been a pretty bad look for them. They've had some rough losses where they just haven't looked like themselves. They just lost to the Wizards in overtime, completely blew that game right there. I mean, it was pretty embarrassing because... Uh, the Lakers seemed like they had control of that game for most of the time, and then they let the Wizards come back, and then they won in overtime. LeBron missed a super crucial free throw, which, I mean, as good as LeBron is, that is the one thing that has always held them back a little bit. It's just he has never been a great free throw shooter, and that's definitely going to be something that's talked about quite a lot. And LeBron still has been playing some great basketball, do not get me wrong, but uh, with him not being able to really carry this roster, I think he's... Uh, definitely not nearly as much in the MVP conversation as I thought he could have been. I thought this could have been an opportunity for him to just try and go and take over mode. And while he's been playing well, uh, I just think the surrounding pieces around him have been kind of exposed without Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis wasn't even having a crazy start to the season. He was actually having a pretty disappointing start to the season. Uh, but I do think uh, a lot of people, and this is myself included, overrated the Los Angeles Lakers offseason quite significantly. 
as much as Montrez Harrell is a very, very good offensive player, and he brings valuable things off the bench by bringing his energy and his offensive skill set, this man is a black hole on defense, and there is a reason he got paid so little. Like, I do think he would have got paid more by a team and he just wanted to go to the Lakers. But also, Montrez Harrell is just a player who I don't think is super conclusive to winning basketball at the highest level. He's going to help you in regular season games, and he's going to bring value to that. But in a playoff series, I think we're to see it just like what happened with the Clippers, that a team is going to uh, just go at Montrez, and it's going to be an issue. It's going to be a big, big problem because Montrez is just so bad on defense. We saw him get eaten alive by Nikola Jokic, and Nikola Jokic destroyed him that series and it's not even just him defending bigs it's also my worry about him uh, having to be put in the pick and roll and having to switch then that's just even more of a nightmare especially when you consider how many good wings and guards there are in that western conference and then like Marcus Saul uh, I think a lot of people and I was a pe- person who was pretty low on the Marcus Saul signing like I was like this is a decent signing but I don't think it's anything crazy. I think people need to realize that Marcus Saul is a 36-year-old player. He's been a great player for many many years. Had so many amazing moments uh with Memphis was a huge part in Toronto winning their championship. Uh but He's a guy who has taken significant steps back on the defensive side of the ball, which was really his bread and butter. Uh, These past two years, he's looked much, much worse on defense. He just looks much slower, and I think the age is finally catching up to him. As, As high of an IQ as he has, and as much as that still helps him, at a certain point, the physical attributes are just starting to fade away and starting to definitely hurt him on the defensive side of the ball he just doesn't look like the same dude and that center rotation as a whole just has not looked very good this year they're missing a guy like Dwight Howard who's continuing to play uh, good basketball they're missing someone like that a lot and again it just hasn't really looked the same KCP is shooting the ball very well this season shooting 42.7 percent from three but I still feel like he just has a lot of inconsistencies at times like he'll have some really good shooting games but also have a really bad stretch like these past two games he's been great he shot the ball very very well but he also had a one of five from three one of five one of four it's just kind of the player who KCP is and he was great in that playoff run I think he's still a super important piece to this roster he's just is a guy who I worry about at times due to his uh, lack of consistency and that's kind of been the story of KCP's entire career is just a lack of consistency and uh, I think there's just a lack of uh, a real second guy outside of LeBron and it would help if uh, it would help if Dennis Schroeder was healthy obviously because Dennis Schroeder is a big piece for them uh, but there's just a lot of guys on this roster who aren't super consistent like Wesley Matthews was another addition that was being hyped up and I didn't really understand because he hasn't been that good for a couple years now like he's a fine role player but he's really nothing more than that he's only shooting 35 percent from three and he's being played 21 minutes on a team that is most people's championships favorites and it's still my championship favorite still not worried about the lakers in that sense but they just haven't played the caliber of basketball that i wanted them to uh, i thought they were gonna kind of you know chill this year uh, but without Anthony Davis, they're being forced to not chill because the Jazz are playing great basketball. The Clippers are playing great basketball. And uh, they can't just be super comfortable with being like, oh, yeah, we're going to be the solidified one seed because I thought no one was even going to be close to them, even if they did chill. Uh, but now they're being forced to play LeBron a bunch of minutes, which I 
really, really don't like. LeBron's been playing a lot of minutes, uh, especially recently. Like He was doing a good job early on in the season not playing many minutes because they were kind of just casually dominating uh, teams. But now he's back to playing 35 minutes a game. And obviously he's a tank. He's going to be fine because it's LeBron. That's just what he does. Uh, but him having to play these overtime 30 minutes against teams that are worse than them and them even just barely scraping out with a win or losing against a team like the Pistons, the, Wither, the Wizards, it's just not a good look. And I was really hoping this was going to be a year where LeBron was just going to be able to chill, where AD was going to be the guy who take uh, takes over. Honestly, I thought AD was going to be more of an MVP candidate than LeBron. I thought that was just going to come from the fact that I thought LeBron was going to be chilling this year, and I thought AD was actually going to be the one who was in takeover mode, but he was kind of just not looking like the same dude before he was injured, and obviously he's injured now, out for like a month, and that's definitely a big issue because even though like they listed the he's going to be out for i think it was 2 to 3 weeks i don't remember the exact uh, diagnosis but uh even with that i think they need to be more safe than that because that is an area of an injury you do not want to play with by any means we saw it with Kevin Durant when you rush uh something like that coming back that could be a very very significant injury that could be an Achilles tear so you got to be very careful with that and the thing that potentially worries me is that they may see their struggles they may see themselves not playing good basketball and that may make Anthony Davis feel some sort of pressure to come back it may not even be from them exactly uh, and it could be a similar situation to what happened with KD because we obviously don't know what happened uh, behind the scenes and stuff. Uh, we don't know if he was being pressured by people in the organization or it was just a personal thing where he was like, I have to uh, step up because they're struggling. And I, I just do worry that we could potentially see something like that from AD. Uh, I just do hope that the all the medical staff is being very careful with him in this situation as a whole and gives it plenty of time. It's going to be nice that they have the all-star break uh, to give even more time to him. But it is just a little bit worrying for me because that is an injury again. You just don't want to play with. And that's why I'm like, I'm really glad that my Celtics are being super careful about that with the injury that Marcus Smart sustained because it was a very similar type of thing with Anthony Davis. That calf in Achilles area is just something that cannot be played with and is something you got to be incredibly careful with because that can uh, take a player out for more than a year. So I'm, I'm definitely not impressed with how the Lakers have been playing recently. And there's some worries I have about this roster. I still think they'll be fine. I still think they're going to win the championship. Uh, they got LeBron and AD on their roster at the end of the day, but I just would like them to be playing better basketball. And I don't think that's unreal and an unrealistic expectation for me uh, to expect the team that won the championship last year and seemingly improved for most people to play better basketball than they are right now because they're just looking very, very underwhelming. And with this being almost halfway into the year, we're going to start getting to the stretch of the playoffs. As weird as that sounds, like you got to start getting some momentum and some chemistry going because you have certain teams like the Jazz, Clippers, uh, and Nets that are rolling right now and are playing some of their uh, highest level basketball while you're just struggling right now. And while uh, a lot of teams have been able to get by with doing that because of their talent, and I think the Lakers can as well. We've also seen a lot of times uh, teams get 
uh, just screwed over for doing that, and they realized it's a mistake that they coasted and that other teams were getting their chemistry together and are just playing better basketball. So the Lakers got to start racking up some wins. Still think they're going to be fine, uh, but I just haven't liked the signs that I've seen from them uh, so far ever since Anthony Davis has gone down with injury. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back to talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves, who have fired their head coach, Ryan Saunders, and have hired an assistant from the Toronto Raptors, Chris Lynch, uh, Finch, They've definitely had a very, very bad season so far. Been the worst team in the NBA, 15th in the Western Conference, 7-24. and And it has definitely been a rough one for them. A, another season filled with injuries, filled with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns not being able to play consistent minutes together. And filled with this roster being very, very poorly constructed. Carl Anthony Towns has had another very good season, uh, though sometimes I would like to see him get the ball more. There's been just a lot of weird times where I feel like he's not getting nearly enough touches. I don't know if it was his involvement in Ryan Saunders' offense. I don't know if it was just people simply not getting him the ball. Uh, but there's so many times where I see him have a mismatch in the post and he's demanding the ball. He's asking for it. Uh, but he's simply just not getting it, which is really frustrating to see because we all know how talented Carl Anthony Towns is. Uh, he's easily one of the most talented players we've uh, seen come in the league in a long, long while. The best three-point shooting big man of all time. Uh, he's a guy who can play make. He is obviously an amazing post score rebounder. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns is a great player. I just hope he can be healthy for a long stretch. He's obviously had a lot of stuff go on in his personal life. And prayers up to Cat. Uh, I really, really hope everything is going well for him because I know that's a lot to persevere through while still trying to play basketball at your highest level. And I just hope everything is good for him because him and his family have gone through quite a lot with him getting COVID, with uh, him having people in his family die due to it. And that's obviously very, very sad. So hopefully he can just uh, play basketball. Hopefully that can be a distraction for him and just keep his mind off all the bad things going on. Hopefully he can just stay out on the floor because he's gotten so unlucky, man. And it, it does suck to just see such a talented player like Cat, who was like an Iron Man early on in his career. If we look, his first th his first four seasons, he missed five games in total, and so some of that was due to like a a motorcycle accident or or something like that. I don't remember what the exact story was, uh, but he was such an Iron Man. Then he's just had a bunch of really unfortunate injuries. Only played 35 games last year and has only played 11 this year due to COVID and then uh, the wrist injury that he sustained as well. And the annoying thing is, while I don't think that this Minnesota Timberwolves team would be like amazing if D'Angelo Russell and Carlton Downs were both healthy. I think they'd obviously be better if they could both play consistent minutes with each other. Uh, but D'Angelo Russell now out for four to six weeks. It just feels like when one of them get gets healthy, the other one gets injured right away, which is really, really annoying because I mean, D'Angelo Russell wasn't having a great year. He was just fine. Like he's I feel like he's a player who's gotten overrated by quite a lot of people, but he's still a good basketball player at the end of the day. He's averaging 19, shooting almost 40% from three, only 5.1 assists, but he was playing alongside Ricky Rubio a lot. So he's definitely a player that I think they can build around. But uh, my one thing is is just that I hope this uh, those two not being healthy doesn't give like the Minnesota Timberwolves any sense of delusion uh, that they could be really good if both of them are healthy because at the end of the day and this is a thought I've had about the Timberwolves for a while is no matter how healthy this team is 
I think their ceiling is like the 10th seed in the Western Conference, which obviously is very, very underwhelming. Like, at best, they're fighting for a play-in spot. There's just a lot of teams in this Western Conference that are simply better constructed than them. And I think this organization has just made so many mistakes for a long, long time. Like, the Minnesota Timberwolves have been a terrible organization for years now and look to be wasting another generationally talented big in Carl Anthony Towns. Like, they have nice pieces on this roster. I love Malik Beasley, and he is criminally underrated he's a guy who is averaging over 20 points shooting 45 percent from the field almost 40 percent from three like he has been great for them he was great for them uh, when they traded for him last year like he's just a very very talented offensive piece anthony edwards as inconsistent as, as he's been he's had a lot of really bright moments and his flashes are obviously very very nice just needs to get consistent, and I think that's just something that comes with him being a young dude. Uh, I like Nas Reed as a backup center. He had some really good moments when Carl Anthony Towns was out, and he's a guy who's a pretty talented offensive big. He can shoot, score on the interior. Like He's a really nice player to have at that backup center position. I like the future of Jaden McDaniels as a versatile a versatile forward who can play defense, who can shoot the ball, still needs to grow and needs to get uh, consistent minutes and playing time, needs to improve as a free throw shooter, needs to continue to work on a lot of parts of his game, put on weight for sure, only 6'9", 185 pounds. Uh, but he's a player who I like his potential. I like a lot of the potential for this roster. But it just seems like they can't put it together because my thing is they can never get a roster that fits well together and that makes perfect sense like this roster has a lot of offensively talented players but not only do those guys not really fit well together on offense they're so bad on defense that it just doesn't like it just makes it look very very bad when even uh, they're scoring high points they can't really do anything on defense because the guys that are meant to be defensive players on this team are such big black holes on offense that as much as you'd want to play a Josh Okogie type of guy to bring that defensive presence, when he's shooting 20.4% from three, it's like, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to play that guy big minutes when you're trying to win games? Like, you're supposed to play a Jarrett Culver, who's been an absolute just bust for them like he's shooting 25.8% from three you're supposed to play someone like that and he's shooting 60% from the line when you're trying to win basketball games because uh, he's a good defender but he just hasn't put everything together yet I think Ricky Rubio makes no sense on this roster and he's someone they need to get rid of because he's another guy who can't shoot they got a lot of guys on this roster who cannot shoot um and this roster just as a whole doesn't make any sense. While I do really hope that get them getting Chris uh, Finch from a very good organization in the Raptors. Uh, they've had a, a lot of assistant coaches come up and be uh, very, very good head coaches or be good in other organizations as well. While I really do hope that can end up turning around that organization. And while I really do hope that can be a good sign in the future for them. I just don't know if it will be because they've so consistently failed whenever they're trying to build a good roster. And that organization has just been a mess for so long. I think a lot of the contracts on this roster aren't great. Uh, as good as D'Angelo Russell is, he's not a player who should be getting paid as much as he is. Ricky Rubio is on a pretty bad contract. 
Malik Beasley is a very good player, and I think that contract is pretty good. But I also just don't think it's the best fit alongside Anthony Edwards because you're forcing Edwards to play the three, which he's, even though he's uh, very strong and he can play that, uh, I think he's still a little undersized to play that. And then just as a whole, the forward position on this team is something that needs to be worked out. And like, I love what I've seen from Jared Vanderbilt this year. I think he's shown that he could be a really good energy guy for you. But that's, I think, as far as it can go is an energy guy off the bench. And this is what I was talking about before the season. Just the forward position on this team sucks. The forward position on this team is terrible. Like, they're asking, like, Jake Lake, Jake Lehman to play minutes at the four. Then you got, like, Jared Vanderbilt, Jaden McDaniels, Juancho Hearn Gomez, Jarrett Culver, Josh Kogi. Like, these are the main forwards they're going to. And while I like a lot of these guys as decent role players, they're being asked to play, like, big starter minutes when that just doesn't work. And though they haven't been healthy, again, I just don't think this team really has a very high ceiling. And I just think a lot of the teams in the Western Conference are much better than them now and going forward. They've been a team that is supposed to have a bright future for like eight years now. And it hasn't it hasn't accumulated to anything. It's it's accumulated to absolutely nothing. And they have their pick going to Golden State. While it is top three protected, and I mean it looks like they'll get that pick, it's still a chance that they won't. More likely than not, they should be able to get that pick. They could slip out of the top three though, and that'd be a that'd be a disaster. Even if they get that pick, I still don't know how good that team is going forward because of the injury worries, because of how bad the organization has been. And then they have their unprotected pick going to Golden State. And I just think it's only a matter of time before we see Carl Anthony Towns ask out because there's no point for him to continue to stay with a roster who's done such a poor job of building around him. Hopefully Chris Finch can change the culture of this organization. Uh, but I just really don't like this roster. I don't like the direction they're going in. And I think they're wasting a really good talent in Carl Anthony Towns. Next, I want to talk about the Toronto Raptors, who have been playing some very, very good basketball as of late, are really starting to figure things out. And after a super slow start where they started off 2-8, and eight, they are the number five seed in the Eastern Conference Four wins in a row for them, and they've just been playing some phenomenal basketball. Uh, I've been so, so impressed by them because they still clearly lack the talent that a lot of other rosters do. But this is just Toronto at its finest. The next man up mentality and them uh, just stepping up and figuring it out. Uh, even though they lack the talent that most other teams do. And like Kyle Lowry's dealt with injuries. They're just so well coached. Uh, Nick Nurse continues to do a masterful job of coaching this team. I think he deserves a lot of love in the coach of the year conversation. He's done such a good job after their slow start of just figuring out this team and turning things around for them. I love that Pascal Siakam is playing small ball center now. I think that is a beautiful role for him, and he's been playing much better after a very slow start to the season. I still don't think he's a number one option on a championship team, 
But Pascal Siakam isn't a terrible basketball player. While he struggled to shoot the ball, he still had a good overall season. Playmaking is something that's definitely taken a step. That's been the thing that has improved this year as it's been a role he's been asked to do more while Kyle Lowry's uh, missing games here and there. And he's done that very well, averaging 4.7 assists per game. Uh, He's played some really good defense on good centers, uh, which has been very impressive. And he's just making up for the fact that they do lack a lot at the center position. Because in this modern NBA where it's so positionless and there's so much flexibility, a 6'9", 230-pound dude who is very, very strong can absolutely play the center position for pretty extended minutes. And that's what he's done this year because Aaron Baines is... Uh, not a very good player this year. He struggled pretty significantly, and he's just playing in that role that Nick Nurse needs him to, and he's done that very, very well. Pascal definitely d- doesn't deserve nearly all the hate that he gets. While he's unfortunately missed some game winners, and I swear this man has the worst luck on game winners ever, all his game winners rim right in and out. Uh, he is still a good player at the end of the day, and he's playing all-star caliber basketball after a slow start to the season. Has been really hooping for the Raptors. Fred Van Vliet has had a great year, has definitely stepped up big in the absence of Kyle Lowry uh, when he's been injured. Averaging 20 points, 6.6 assists, uh, shooting 37.6% from three on 8.7 attempts per game, which is phenomenal. Still playing the gritty defense that he always does, which is so impressive. The dude is 6'1", 197 pounds, but he's such a gritty defender. He puts in so much effort on that side of the ball, and he's a very, very plus player on that end. He's just had a great year so far. Is definitely proving to be worth that contract that he got paid. And I think anyone who was criticizing that contract was crazy because it's not even that much money for a very, very good player. OG on a note, stepped up this year his growth has been uh pretty slow but he's been growing quite a lot especially this year i really like to see the growth i've seen so far he continues to just improve so much as a three-point shooter every single year and that's the biggest part because we all know how good of a defender he is that's what he's always going to hang his hat on is that he's a great defender but for him to develop into the player he needed to be he needed to become fully three and d And now with him developing his shot every single year to being a 40% shooter on five and a half attempts per game now, he's truly become one of the best 3 and D wings in the league. And that is a role that is so, so valuable. Like any team would love an OG on an OB type of player on their team because he's just a versatile guy who can play the three, he can play the four, he uh, can shoot the ball, defend multiple positions. Uh, You can put him on... almost all the best wings in the league. And while he's not going to stop a lot of those guys, because a lot of those guys are just so talented, he's always going to do his best he can to contain them, which is just really, really impressive from him. And I really like the growth I've seen from OG this year. Uh, It's been fun to just see him emerge as a player uh, and continue to improve. Like uh, I I expect him to just continue to improve his shot creation. That's the one thing I would like to see him take a step in is just being able to do a little bit more off the dribble because as good of a player as he is, a lot of times I do feel like he can be limited just due to the fact that he doesn't really create for himself and most of his offense is created from other people. Uh, But he's still growing every single year, and he's been a big, big part to their success. He's just been, like, the model of consistency for them this year. He's not a player who's going to have, like, super crazy 30-point games often, but he's just a pretty consistent guy. As I say that, I literally look at his past five games. He had 30 against Indiana. But for the most part, you can rely on OG Ananobi to give you anywhere 
between like 12 and 18 points and play some really good defense on the other team's best player. And that's what he's done all year for them. He's been a really just consistent, good player. Norman Powell's had a bit of a weird season, pretty up and down. Uh, he's having a great season overall, though, averaging 17 points. Continues to just fly under the radar. Uh, he was so underrated last year as well. Like He was a piece that I feel like not nearly enough people were talking about to why the Raptors were so successful last year. And he's been great this year as well. He started off a bit slow, but he's back to averaging 17. Uh, with, their, with their injuries, he's been another guy who stepped up. And he's just another guy who allows them to play that small ball. He's 6'3", but he's playing basically the small forward while OG Ananobi plays the four. Puts up effort on the defensive side of the ball, but his main uh, thing that he brings to the team is just his explosive scoring. And a very, like, uh, Terrence Ross, Tim Hardaway Jr. type of way. He's just a guy who is a flamethrower. Like, he's a guy who can take bad shots at times, but he's also a guy who can make tough shots. He'll fearlessly attack the basket. He's got... Uh, some crazy bounce. He gets to the line 3.7 times per game. He's shooting 43.8% from three, which is crazy. And he's averaging 17. Like, he's been massive in the reason why they're streaking. He's had a lot of really, really good games. Like, if we look at his la last five games, struggled against uh, Philadelphia, but they still won that game. Uh, he had 31 against Minnesota, 29 against Milwaukee. Uh, uh, played well in their first game against Milwaukee, just didn't take many shots, and then had 22 uh, in their other game against Minnesota. He's just a guy who can be a really explosive scorer for them, and that's something that I feel like they definitely need, and they can lack at certain times. So Norman Powell stepping into that role and doing that has been massive for this team. But the thing that has honestly stood out to me more than any individual performer, while there's been a lot of good ones, like Chris Boucher continues his good year, there's been a lot of guys who've just been stepping up individually and playing well. It's their overall team defense, even without a, a good center, their team defense has been phenomenal, especially as of late, man. The team defense has been incredible. The thing that stood out to me the most was against the Philadelphia 76ers. They did not allow the 76ers to score for seven minutes. Seven minutes. They clamped up for that long. And that is just completely an effort and coaching thing from them. Because while they have very good defensive personnel, even then they shouldn't be as good of a defensive team as they are. But it's just everybody buying into the system and playing really, really hard. Everybody sacrificing for each other, sacrificing individual numbers to help the team win basketball, which you just love to see. It's While it hurts as a Celtics fan to see the Raptors above them, especially... I saw the stat. The Celtics started off eight and three. Raptors two and eight, and the Raptors are above us. That is, that is severe pain. Uh, I got to give a ton of credit to them because when they were struggling early on in the season, I still thought they were going to be a playoff team because I'm like, this is the Raptors. They have Nick Nurse as the coach. They'll be fine. But did I think they were going to be creeping up to the fifth seed, potentially being the fourth seed? Hell no. I thought they were going to be like the eighth seed. Uh, but the Raptors are just continuing to step up. Uh, playing that next man up type of basketball, and it's working out for them this year. They've been very, very good recently, playing great team defense, 
guys like Chris Boucher, uh, Norman Powell, Ogion Anobi, Terrence Davis. These guys are just stepping up and playing solid basketball. And it's been it's been a pleasure to watch the Raptors as of late because it's always fun. While these teams don't have a super high ceiling and they'll never win like a championship, it's always fun to see a team where everyone is just buying in, playing hard, and they're winning games because of that. And the Raptors are absolutely a case of that. I've been really, really impressed with them as of late. Next and last thing we're going to talk about is this Bleacher Report article, Blockbuster NBA Trades That Would Blow Up the 2021 Trade Deadline. First one, we got Bradley Beal to the Warriors, and it would be the Golden State Warriors getting Bradley Beal and Jerome Robinson, and then the Washington Wizards getting Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, and a 2021 first-round pick, top three protected via the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, At this point, I just don't think any Bradley Beal trade is very realistic just due to the fact that the Wizards are streaking and playing good basketball. It would just make no sense for them to give up on Bradley Beal uh, and him being the leader of this team when they're playing their best basketball of the year. But I do think down the line, not at the trade deadline, this is a trade or at least something like this. I wouldn't be necessarily very surprised if some sort of trade like this happened where the Warriors, when Klay Thompson gets back healthy, went all in on the core that they have and said, we are trying to win one more championship. Obviously, they want to win as many as they can, but they're going out on their kind of of one last dance thing. They're trying to keep this dynasty alive. They go all in on Bradley Beal. Those are some really good assets. Like James Wiseman has a ton of potential in the future. I think he'd be perfect. Uh, for a Washington Wizards team. Andrew Wiggins has had a really good year, is playing much better on defense, playing uh, well on offense as well. And then you get a super valuable pick from the Timberwolves. I think you'd probably need to throw a little bit more in to get a guy like Bradley Beal. But I think the idea of that trade and the potential of that happening in the future, not now, is somewhat realistic. Uh, I just don't think it's a trade that would happen at the trade deadline. But in the offseason, depending on what happens with the Wizards this year, depending on if Bradley Beal requests a trade, I think something like this could happen. I think that could be real, real interesting for sure. I uh, got Miles Turner to Miami. Uh, this is definitely a weird one. Uh, the Miami Heat get Miles Turner, obviously. And then the Indiana Pacers get Tyler Hero, Kelly Olynyk, and a 2025 first-round pick, top eight protected. I just don't understand why either team would do this trade, to be honest. Like, Miami, I I understand you need more help at the four position, and this would be running big with Bam out of bio, and he's proven that he can play the four as well, especially that both both of them could shoot. Miles Turner is more of a three-point shooter, and Bam can shoot from mid-range. But I just think... It would be weird, especially having those guys for like the long haul. I would much rather get an actual four uh, to play alongside Bam. Uh, I do understand the idea. I just think it's a bit weird. Uh, I do get getting more size and getting more guys who could help on the interior, but I just don't understand why the Heat would do that. And then the Pacers, it's like, what? why the hell would you do that? Uh, Miles Turner is so huge to that team. On the defensive side of the ball, Miles Turner is just so important to all the success that they have because as good as DeMontis Sabonis is, especially on offense, he is a pretty average to below average defender. So you need Miles Turner on the interior and that's why their defense has continued to be so good. Miles Turner is a defensive player of the year candidate this year. He's been awesome on that side of the ball. So that just doesn't make sense to me. And like 
you're getting Tyler Hero, who I, I like. I like a lot more than most people. I feel like he's become overhated by a lot of people. It's the classic. He went from overrated to underrated because once people realized he was overrated, everybody was acting like he was terrible when he's not. He's had a decent year for Miami. Uh, but you're getting Karis LeVert back at some point. Uh, you traded Victor Aldipo for him. So you clearly believe in Karis LeVert going forward. And then you have uh, TJ Warren coming back as well. Like once that team is healthy, I think they could be solid. And I think Miles Turner is a big part of that. I just don't think that would fill what they would want in a Miles Turner trade necessarily. I think they would want much different stuff in a Miles Turner trade. Uh, I think they would more want someone who could play the four alongside Sabonis and would be a more more of a defender. And that definitely isn't Kelly Olynyk. And then it's a first round pick. Like I think that's just a really weird trade as a whole. Uh, Vu- Nikola Vucevic to the Boston Celtics. I would love this. This would have to be a three-team trade, I think at least, to uh, fill up the trade exception. Not 100% sure, but the Celtics get Nikola Vucevic and a 2023 second-round pick. The Orlando Magic get two first, both from the Celtics, 2023 and 2025. And the New York Knicks get Daniel Tice. Obviously, this is a three-team trade. Uh I just think the Magic at the end of the day could get more value for Vucevic. If this is the best trade you can get for him, I'd say do it just because I think it's time to move on to a new era in Orlando. I think it's time to go for the youth and kind of just tank out this season because they're not really going to win games uh, at least enough to be in a in the playoffs. And Vucevic is the only reason why they're winning in the first place. I think you should... Just go the youth movement, build around uh, Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony, uh, Jonathan Isaac, Chumo Kiki, Mo Bamba. I think you should just see what you have in those guys at the end of the day and just test how good they are instead of holding on to Vucevic and like Evan Fournier. Uh, so if you can get two first round picks that uh, are from the Celtics, which should at least be like in the 20s, I mean, I guess that's solid, but I just think with how well Vucevic is playing, I just don't think there's uh, any way that they don't get more value for Vucevic. Maybe I'm just overvaluing him, but he's been incredible this year. He's putting up like 24 and 12, shooting 40% from three. Like he's been an all-star caliber player for sure this year. So it would just be weird for me for them getting two picks from the Celtics, which shouldn't even be great picks in the first place. And I mean, the Knicks getting Daniel Tice, that's... Um, I mean, that's decent. Daniel Tice is a good player. Uh, I think it would be a great move for the Celtics. I think that's the type of move they need to make. I just don't think it's realistic that the Magic pulled the trigger on that because I just think at the end of the day, they could get more value for a very, very good player like Nikola Vucevic. So I don't really like that one. A lot of these trades have been really weird. And then the last one, Zach Levine to the Denver Nuggets. The Chicago Bulls would get Gary Harris, Bull Bull, RJ Hampton, a 2021 uh, first unprotected uh, swaps uh, for 2022 and 2024 from Denver. And then the Denver Nuggets would obviously get Zach Levine. Uh, this trade is something that I really would not like for Chicago just because Chicago's playing good basketball right now. I know these are meant to be trades that like shake up the NBA and are crazy. But at the end of the day, I just don't see this being realistic just due to the fact that the Bulls are the eighth seed right now. They're playing some really good basketball. I think it'd be amazing for the Nuggets. Obviously, the defense, yikes. The defense would be a big, big yikes. But a lineup of Jamal Murray, uh, Zach Levine, uh, Michael Porter, uh, Michael Green, Nikola Jokic, or Paul Millsap. 
oh my lord, you are putting up 100, 180 points per game. Like you are, you are being unstoppable on offense. I don't think you're uh, doing anything on defense really, which is the issue with the Nuggets. But it would put their offense so much over the top. It would basically be like uh, the Nets. Obviously, not nearly as much as high level talent, but it would be a similar uh, situation to the Nets. But the Bulls, I just don't think you're getting enough solidified value. I think Zach Levine has proved himself to be like a top 25 player in the league. So getting Gary Harris, who's just not that good, Bull Bull, who hasn't been playing for a reason. RJ Hampton, who has potential and has had some good moments for the Nuggets, but still it is a big question mark. And then a couple first round picks. Like, I just don't think that's enough for Zach Levine. I think if you were to do a Zach Levine trade now, which I don't think you should anyway, or in the offseason, I think you need to get something solidified and legit. Like you need something that you know is gonna be good for the future. You don't you can't get anything that you're questioning being good. Zach Levine is way too valuable for that. And I just don't think the uh, the Bulls are looking to trade Zach Levine right now. I think it's much more realistic for the Bulls to make some big moves and trade people to build around Zach Levine than them actually trading Levine. I think it'd be much more realistic for them to trade a Kobe White, a Lowry Markinen. I just don't really like this trade at all. I think it'd be pretty crazy for the Nuggets, but just unrealistic for the Bulls. And that has been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. It's been Michael. Peace out.